We welcome you to this pre-recorded worship service for October the 11th. We are so glad you joined us. And whether you choose to be in our services as we are starting this day or continue with worship, we want to bring you the best possible experience so that you can draw closer to the Lord. We trust this service will be a source of inspiration and we want this to be the day that you believe you have met the Lord in a special way. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. So now let us prepare our hearts and our minds for worship. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Let us worship God.
The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all he has made. Relying on that love of God, we pray our confession. Let us pray. God of all mercy, you have planted within us a desire to observe justice and do righteousness. We want to be fair and honorable, delighting in life shared openly and honestly with family, friends, and co-workers. Instead, we are often defensive, fearful, and distracted. We spend more time with our toys than with your truth. We seek temporary thrills rather than lasting meaning. Then we are disappointed when our golden calves bring no fulfillment. We return to you, loving God, intent on following the guidance we are receiving from you. Save us from ourselves, in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of all who love him. He also hears their cry and saves them. God has heard our prayer. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As God's forgiven children, we now affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sit at the right, on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now we invite you to pass along the peace of the Lord to those who are near you or text them if they are far away. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Welcome once again to our pre-recorded worship service for October 11th, 2020. As most of you know, today is a big day in the life of our church. We are opening our doors for public worship, and right now we are anticipating around 25% of what would be our normal attendance for October, which means that still a large majority of our congregation remains with us on Comcast or online. We will be continuing, of course, our pre-recording uh, online worship experience and broadcasting it on Sunday mornings for the foreseeable future in order to honor our entire congregation 
as together we seek to navigate through this pandemic. Our in-person worship will be different than what most folks are used to. It will be meditative in nature as we maintain our safety protocols, including mask wearing and social distancing and no singing. Since we're posting and live streaming our pre-recorded service on Sunday mornings, our in-person worship service will not be live streamed or posted. Everybody will be making their return to campus when they feel ready. Likely our congregation will be returning gradually and slowly, which is as it should be. When you decide to come to us in in-person worship, we invite you, as always, to reserve a spot online via our website. You can see that our chancel re renovation is near complete. The wood floor is lovely. Our choir loft is a little different. The pulpit is pushed a little forward. Still more to come. We are in the process of designing new chancel pieces, pulpit and baptismal font and communion table, and we soon will be filling the space with some palms like you have been used to. Looking ahead, on Wednesday night, we, re we resume our God in Hollywood series. We'll be looking at the next movie, The Apostle, starring Robert Duvall. So you might want to view that and join us by registering online for that class on Wednesday evening at 6.30. Our next Race and the Church conversation will be in a couple of weeks on October the 19th at 6 p.m. We'll be discussing the TED Talk by Debbie Irving, the author of Waking Up White. The TED Talk link is available on our website, and there you can also register for the discussion. Beginning on October 17th, we will release a weekly short service of prayer, silence, and songs in the matter of today. The service of repeated chants is intended to promote a meditation and peaceful reflection, something that you may want to turn to each week as you perhaps seek to ground yourself during the course of the week. The Tizay community is an ecumenical Christian monastic fraternity in Tizay, France. It is composed of more than 100 brothers from Catholic and Protestant traditions who originate from about 30 countries across the world and who have developed this wonderful form of worship. So be looking for those services beginning at the end of this coming week. We're so glad to have Chris Schnell back with us again, who is playing the cello, and we always delight in his great gifts. Speaking of gifts, our fruit of the spirit this month is joy, and we invite you to find the Joy Is page in our Connect magazine. I have for myself, Joy Is Walking With My Wife, and uh, we invite you to take a selfie with that and send it on to us, to Jackie Gomez, so that we can include that perhaps in an upcoming uh, video during our worship. Also, we encourage you to bring joy, some concrete, uh, manner of joy to someone else in your life and of course share those stories with us as well so that we can be sharing that great those great stories of joy with our congregation speaking of joy stories we'd like to share one of those joy stories from a couple from our church of the palms family marlene and arthur francis uh, who are being interviewed by sarah sobolewski well, this, this story is really one of the highlights of our lives, particularly our lives together. And uh, the story started uh, more than almost 20 years ago. Uh, our church here, First Baptist Church in Ann Arbor, had a, a relationship with a Baptist church in Nicaragua. When we arrived there, we found a young man who was the son of a a Baptist minister had been assigned to us as our interpreter. And on our second visit, which was in 2003, Marlene went with me and uh, uh, she met Wilmer, uh, <laughs> our, our young friend, and then they hit it off right from, from day one. Uh, the long and the, and the short of the story is that uh, we uh, encouraged Wilmer to consider uh, uh, continuing his, his education and uh, uh, because we, we saw great possibilities in, in what he would be able to do. And the upside of it was that we made an arrangement with him where uh, we would undertake to provide his university education at the Baptist University in Managua. For four years, uh, he he went to uh, he went to Upoli and eventually he graduated, and the graduation was one of the highlights of uh, uh, Marlene's uh, uh, experience. I'll let her tell you about it. The 
this was a, a standard graduation experience, but the family, a family member uh, participates with the graduate. Wilmer's uh, parents were in the U.S. at that time, mm -hmm. and so I got to be his parent in, in the graduation, and it was so much fun. I got a call from, from Wilmer. He, uh, he had been talking with Masil, and they wanted to name this little boy Arturo. Oh. Would, would, would I mind? So so when he was born, uh, he was his name was actually registered as Arthur, Arthur Jose, uh, after his grandfather and, and me. And and uh, so there there we have it. <laughs> so and then uh, about a year later, uh, little uh, another baby boy came along. We decided that we would do what we could to have them. Uh, become fluent in English like the dad, and uh, their English is now uh, re remar on. remarkable for 12 and 13 year olds. Yeah, and they're coming along. So they they do talk to us in English on the uh, on the telephone, and they uh, they send us emails in English, uh, and and they 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 are very touching letters because they they tell us how important we are in their lives and. They, 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 uh, their, their other, their grandparent, grandparents are a Baptist minister, and, and his, his wife. Uh, they are making sure that the boys uh, have an understanding of the Christian faith, and the boys tell us that they are thankful to God for our involvement in their lives. And when, when we hear them saying that to us, think what it does to us. <laughs> this is, this is the, one of the. The most significant things that Marlene and I have ever done, and we were just so completely gratified. We we had a part in his life, and uh, we are just so gratified that uh, we have that to to look uh, at and, and be grateful for. To be able to do it and to see the results uh, just uh, make us feel not only joyful but extremely humble. Isn't that sweet? Wow. <laughs> It's wonderful. Sarah, it's been great talking to you. You too. Have a great day. We'll be down to see you in a few weeks. We don't know just when, but we'll be there.
Hear now a reading from Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. To it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For there the thrones for judgment were set up, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. God of all creation, we begin our time of prayer with gratitude. Gratitude for all the ways we have been touched by grace this past week. We celebrate life's simple pleasures a cup of steaming coffee, a phone call from a friend, board games and puzzles, unexpected laughter, neighborhood sunset walks, the gift of life itself. During this time, we pray that we will never again take for granted the opportunity to worship side by side, a handshake with a stranger, a hug with a friend, a boring day. Thank you for all the beauty that lifts our spirits and the kindness that is springing up all around us as we collectively breathe in your spirit and then breathe out one great hallelujah. As we prepare for in-person worship, we pray, O oh God, that you might infuse us all with wisdom, patience, and kindness. Help us to put others' needs ahead of our own. Help us to love each other well. We pray, O oh God, for all those who are experiencing illness of any kind. Strengthen and comfort them. Heal their bodies. Touch their souls and warm their hearts. For those who are grieving the loss of ones deeply loved, we pray for your loving presence and comforting arms to surround them. For those who are filled with fear or anger or uncertainty about the future, give them the assurance of your strength and the courage to continue on. 
for the teachers and parents who continue to navigate these uncharted waters. Bolster them with your presence. Grace them with creativity and a sense of humor. Fill them with your love and peace. Holy One, we pray for all leaders of our nation, leaders of our cities, and leaders of every state that filled with integrity they might lead wisely, driven by compassion for all people and by a sense of responsibility for those whom they are elected to serve. We lift up the men and women in our armed forces who loyally serve this great country of ours Protect them and guide them at all times and in all places. All this we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, during our moment of gratitude, we have the opportunity to pause and to reflect on all that we have been given by a good and gracious God. It is during this time where we also have the opportunity to worship God by giving back just a little bit of what has been given to us. We realize that many people in this congregation are so generous with their time and talents and treasures, and we thank you for sharing your gifts. We have on the screen the four ways that you can give financially. I pray that God breathes into all of us generosity and a sense of security, that we may be free of fear, that we might be filled with God's spirit of abundance and adventure. I pray that God would fill us with joy and laughter to share with one another, as well as empowering us to provide food and safety and justice for all people. Let us generously and joyfully worship God with our tithes and our offering.
Let us pray. Gracious God, your wondrous love leaves us speechless and in awe. There is so much for which we are grateful. May these gifts which you have showered upon us so freely bring joy to others and light to this hurting world. Amen. Well, good morning. I have the great pleasure of offering today's children's moment. And I decided to talk a little bit about one of the scripture readings. There's a couple this morning, but one of them is from a book in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. And it was written by the Apostle Paul to a bunch of folks who lived in a city called Corinth. That's why it's called 1 Corinthians. And it says, or part of it says, it's actually pretty long, but this is a really important part of it. It says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And I got to wondering, what does it mean to be a part of a body? So I did some research. And did you know that if you lose your pinky, I can't stand like that anymore. Oh, and my feet are filthy. I hope my mother is not watching. If you lose your pinky, jumping and skipping and running would be nearly impossible. And did you know that our thumbs just this one finger, your thumb, makes up for like 40% of the great cool stuff we can do with our hands. Just your thumb. It's actually like the same as these three fingers put together, just in your thumb. And did you know that the average person has between two and 4,000 taste buds on their tongue, taste buds on their tongue? Two to 4,000. And you need all of them to perceive what things taste like so we can tell what's sweet and what's salty. Well, this is the good news, my friends. You're just like a pinky or a thumb or a taste bud. And so is everyone else. You are a part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is the church. It's Church of the Palms. It's our church, but it's bigger than that. It's the whole church. It's churches everywhere, all over the world. It's human beings everywhere. And it's people who look and think like us, and it's people who don't look and think like us. We all have a part in the body of Christ. So here's the thing. You can bring joy to the world we can bring joy to the world by playing the part in the body that God wants us to play. And we also can bring joy to the world by helping other people see that they're a really important part of the body of Christ too, because they may not realize it. They may think I'm just a little pinky. Nobody needs me, but it's not true. Everybody is an important part of the body. And so maybe today, as you're going through your day, you might talk to someone and remind them that they're a really important part of what God is planning for his beautiful world. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are all your children. Jesus and each of us has important work to do for you. Help us to remember that and help us to love one another well. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, as we've been saying throughout the service, we are still in this month of October and we are reflecting on this great fruit of the Spirit called joy. And today we are taking a look at a couple of passages from the Old Testament and the New Testament that will guide us as we consider another dimension of this wonderful gift that God gives us in the gift of joy. The first comes to us from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. Hear the word of God. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. And on the second day, the heads of the ancestral houses of all the people, with the priests and the Levites, came together to the scribe Ezra in order to study the words of the law. Our second lesson, again from the New Testament, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. Paul writes and says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If Paul were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another." If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name, amen. <clears throat> Back in my youth ministry days, it was my practice to attend lots and lots of high school sporting events, one of the perks of the job, at least it was in my mind. And I remember going to watch one of the kids from my youth group swim in his high school swim meet. Turned out to be a really good meet between conference rivals that boiled down to the very last event, the 400-meter freestyle relay. Whoever won the relay won the meet. Each team had three relay teams, one of them stacked with the best swimmers, of course, and the other two with the average and below average swimmers. So it came down to the two fast relay teams and which of them would finish first. It was a nail-biter, each swimmer matching his competitor stroke for stroke, neck and neck, the whole way down to the last leg, the anchors of the team who seemed to be flying through the water, all the way down to the last nanosecond when the home team touched out the visitors 
visitors. The place went bananas. The crowd went crazy. The home team went nuts. And one swimmer from the home team was so excited, so overcome with joy of his team winning, ran across the deck, leapt off the edge of the pool, and did a huge jackknife jump into the water. And for about five seconds, it seemed the most natural and spontaneous exclamation point to the celebration. But then came the whistle, the piercing and silencing whistle of the referee that drew the crowd's attention to the referee's hand, pointing at the pool, and in particular to lane six, and in particular to the last swimmer, the last swimmer of the slowest relay who had yet to finish the race. Like most sports, the race isn't over until everyone finishes and any team with any extra swimmer in the water during the race is immediately disqualified. The thrill of victory and its premature celebration in a moment turns into the agony of defeat. The race isn't over until everyone finishes. When I was in high school, I was the sports editor of the yearbook, a job I lobbied for because it got me free into all the high school games. I had a lot of friends on the cross-country team, so often I would bring my camera to their meets to get some good shots of my pals, and it always struck me in cross-country that when the runners finished, once they caught their breath, their first move was back to the finish line to cheer for the rest of the team. Only the first five runners on a cross-country team team are point makers, but that didn't matter because they would always jog back to the finish line and stand and cheer for every one of their teammates until the last one finished. And they seemed to cheer loudest for the slowest. They cheered loudest for the last. Some call that sportsmanship, perhaps a dying art these days, but I wonder if it isn't as well a picture of what we might call Christian joy. Joy for my own finish and cheering for yours. I think that's a little of what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he talked about the church being the body of Christ, that the church is the community of people who are organically connected to each other, that though there may be many members, there is still only one body. And, and like any human body, there is this interrelatedness and dependency upon each member, and each member has a vital role, each member has a valuable place within the body. We are not whole until we are here. The race is not over until all have finished and we cheer loudest for the later finishers. And we sense not just our own feelings, but we sense the feelings of all. If one member suffers, Paul writes, all suffer together. And if one is honored, then all rejoice. Sort of like when I get out of bed in the middle of the night and manage to kick the leg of the bed with my naked toe, though it be one of the smallest parts of my body, as Sarah was mentioning, the pain engulfs, engulfs every fiber of my being. My ear does not say, ha, tough for you, old toe. I'm up here with the eye, and fat chance we're going to be run running into any bed legs. No. Pain from that little digit has lodged itself into my central nervous system, and when one member suffers, all suffer together. Some of us remember the great classic sports movie, Rudy, that tells the true story of Rudy Rudiger, a, a young man back in the 1960s whose only dream it was to play for the University of Notre Dame. Why anyone would want to do that, I don't know. And by the grace of the head coach, Rudy was, was picked to put on a Notre Dame uniform, but only to be on the practice team, the team that the starters practiced against, but not not the team that actually got to suit up for the game. Four years of Rudy practicing, four years of Rudy dreaming, four years of Rudy working to maybe one day actually be picked to play in the game, and every week Rudy's name kept off the list. 
But then in the last game of his Notre Dame career at Notre Dame Stadium, Dan Devine, the head coach, puts Rudy on the list to suit up for the game. And for the entire game, he stands on the sidelines this close to realizing his dream to play for Notre Dame, but he doesn't get the call until finally with the clock ticking down and with the entire stadium chanting, Rudy, 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 Coach Devine puts Rudy in the game. And on the last play of the game, Rudy sacked the opposing quarterback. And the place went bananas and the team rushed the field and they hoisted Rudy onto their shoulders and carried him off the field. The first time in the history of Notre Dame football that a player got carried off the field by his teammates cheering loudest for the least. It makes me think of the story Jesus told of the father with the two sons and the one boy decides to run away and the other boy, the older boy, decides to stay at home and the, young, and the, and the boy who stays home gets to enjoy everything the father enjoys, gets to participate in everything the father participates, gets to enjoy the bounty and security of being on the father's farm. But the only thing the stay-at-home boy doesn't get is the yearning the father has for the one who's not yet there. The rooting his father does for the boy who has lost his way. The pensive waiting of the father for the boy to return. And finally when that lost boy returns, it's the father who runs, grabs the boy, hoists him onto his shoulders, parades him into the party with the fatted calf. And the elder boy still doesn't get it because he doesn't get joy. Joy is half about you and half about him. Joy for my own finish and cheering for yours. Never have I felt this so keenly than on the day that will live in infamy, September 11, 2001, when the World Trade Centers crumbled. And in the congregation I served, a bedroom community to Wall Street, it dawned on me that morning of how many of our congregation actually worked in those towers. And we made a list on the board that day of all we could think of our congregation who worked in those towers. And we made that list on that board and we began to wonder, perhaps it was beyond dozens who were in those towers from our church. And so we prayed for them and we visited each of their homes and their families desperate for a phone call. And many of those calls came from the men and women who by all sorts of means made their way out of those buildings or who for whatever reason never entered them to begin with. And when the calls came to those families, there was such joy, such joy. And then the relief of a soon returned loved one eventually changed to the rooting and cheering for all the families who had not yet gotten a call, hoping and praying that the others too would receive those same calls. And three never received the call, hoping and praying that the others would get those same calls, but they never got the call. And now all of a sudden we understood what the apostle wrote, that in the body we rejoice for those who rejoice and we weep for those who weep. So Nehemiah recounts for us the time when the people of God have been too long away from the temple in exile in Babylon, and a small number by decree of the new emperor have been given the chance to return to Jerusalem and reclaim and rebuild the temple. But not all could come, only a few. And, and Ezra the priest reads to them from the sacred text, and scripture says that when they heard the sacred text, they wept. And why did they weep? Maybe they wept for joy. Maybe they wept for those who were not yet there. Or maybe they wept for both. Why are you weeping, the priest says, to the few who could return? Go and celebrate, but remember those who are not yet here. Go and celebrate and remember those who are not yet here. For the race isn't over until all finish. Which brings us, of course, to today, a great day in our church's life when after seven long months, the doors will open and the first of our flock will trepidatiously return. 
masking and keeping distance, it won't feel quite the same. We've come this far, but we have far to go, don't we? Far to go, of course, until we all feel as if we can worship with abandon and keep each other safe. Far to go until vaccines are available and COVID has escaped to the sea. Far to go, most importantly, until all of God's people can make their way to the house of the Lord. I was glad, writes the psalmist, when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I suppose there is some gladness and we rejoice with those who have been able to return. It's great to see the smiling face eyes that we've missed, but we could not be the body of Christ if we did not also remember the rest. Those who would also likely to be here, but for good reason, need to remain home those who eagerly await the time to return themselves. So we mourn with those who mourn, including the three families of Church of the Palms members who died from contracting COVID-19. We would not be the body of Christ if we did not take our place at the front door of the sanctuary and wait for as long as we need to wait and cheer for as long as we need to cheer for the rest to return for the race is not over until everyone has finished. Some of you have heard me tell the story of J. Hudson Taylor. J. Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China during the 19th century. He founded the China Inland Mission, which became the center of Protestant missions in China. And after 45 years in China, Hudson Taylor returned home to England, his native country. And when he landed there in Southampton, he was on the same ship, as it turned out, with Teddy Roosevelt. And, and when the ship docked, there was a band waiting for Teddy Roosevelt. And they played the music, and the crowd was there for Teddy Roosevelt and there was confetti and streamers and applause for Teddy Roosevelt and Teddy Roosevelt was carried off the ship on the shoulders of his admirers. There was a parade in town for Teddy Roosevelt. Hudson Taylor just stood there alone waiting. The church committee that was supposed to meet him never came. Half hour, hour, two hours and finally after two hours he put down his suitcase on the dock and sat down alone. I didn't expect a band or a cheering mob, he thought, but there should have been somebody here to welcome me home. But then Hudson Taylor writes in his diary, but then God spoke to me. Hudson, he said, you're not home yet. I suppose it can be said that for you and me, members of the body of Christ that we're all trying to make our way home. And there are many stops along the way where there's cause for rejoicing, cause for celebration, cause for giving thanks, to rejoice with those who rejoice. But we're all trying to make our way home. Some are before us, some are behind us, but we're all one body one community, one team. And the race is never over until all have finished. Joy for me and cheering for all.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.